Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back. We are in our 11th episode and we are starting a brand new series called I Hate My Effin Job. And I think it's absolutely great coming off of our series of culture because if you have a bad culture, you literally are going to identify rather quickly from your population that does not enjoy working. And so we have a special guest with uh, guest with us today, Olivia. She is back for her third episode with us. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. So yeah, so Olivia, interesting. So you're back with us for another episode. You know, we're here to talk about in this series, uh, you know, how people don't enjoy their jobs and for what reasons. And one of them is abusive leaders. Have you ever worked for a leader that wasn't your most favorite or did some quirky things that was unleadership-like? Oh, absolutely. I think we all have. No, I don't know about that. I feel like you're lying, Maria. I interview my leaders really well and they are all perfect. Oh, you do. So what's your what's your uh, question of choice when you are sitting in front of your hiring manager? Tell me about your leadership style. You oh, you know what I say when people ask me about ask me that question? Do you like make something up? Here's what I say. My leadership style really depends on the person that I'm talking to. You know what my favorite question is that I learned on TikTok is tell me about your best employee and tell me about the qualities that make them successful in your eyes. Hmm, And I find that very telling because then they tell you whether they want their employee to answer emails throughout the night, whether they want them to work outside the nine to five hours, whether they want them to go over and beyond what their job description entails and the fact that there might not be some work-life balance. Mm, TikTok. Interesting. I learned a lot from TikTok. In the past couple of minutes, there've been a couple of things that come up that I really just want to comment on. And it means that you guys are going to have to remember back a few minutes. So first of all, did you say episode 11? You guys didn't even get excited about that. We are on episode 11. Yay! I know, it's really exciting. Second, um, Maria, I'm going to go with Olivia and call you out on this. And <laughs> What do you mean nobody's... There are people that haven't had bad boss. Everyone has had a bad boss. I guarantee it. Have they all been unacceptably abusive? I don't know that I would say that, but I would say everyone has had a bad boss. You're right. I was kidding. I was kidding. But I do have to challenge the process because I've probably had more better leaders than I've actually had poor leaders. And I would say that overall, I've done a really good job at vetting out the leaders that I'm going to work for prior to arriving to a company. However, when I've transitioned leaders within a company is when I found myself the most unsuccessful. Which is interesting because you would think you would know the leaders throughout the organization and you would have better intel once you're in the inside. So like the inside scoop. Yeah, but it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, I literally left a company because of a shitty leader and a shitty feeling. And I think that's true. As soon as it happened, it literally 
made me live and eat and breathe by that phrase of people literally leave because of poor leadership. They don't leave because of a poor company. So Olivia, tell us about like, so you said you've had some poor leaders. What, when did you identify those and what, what characteristics do they have or what examples or stories do you have that really kind of stick out from shitty leaders that you've had? And I, you know what, the first like awful leader that I've had was actually, we're going all the way back to high school. And it's interesting because I want to go back to that first job I had and it was at Hallmark that my leader, I mean, they were the business owner, right? They were running a franchise, a little bit different ideology than you would with a leader, maybe in a corporate setting. And it was interesting the way that she handled conflict wasn't that we were going to sit down and talk about it. It was either she would give you the silent treatment or she would yell at you and throw things at you in front of customers. So yes, this is a true story. (laughs) So when I was 16, working for an individual that ran their business in that capacity was eye-opening, right? So it could either do two things to you. It could be teaching you bad ways to be a leader yourself or teach you things of what not to do, right? How you could overcome it and be a better leader or how to handle future leaders that react that way. Now, I think for the three of us, we probably have experienced poor leadership, maybe not to the point where that person's throwing things at you, but maybe demeaning you in front of your team, in front of your internal clients, maybe even just maybe selecting favorites just to prove a point. So I think you nailed it, Olivia you're probably not going to get a leader that throws things or is physically abusive. But what you do find is those ways of insulting you are making, degrading you, making you feel a certain way. Now, okay, so I want to pause because I just said something that I know as we get listeners and they go back and listen to our original episodes, they're going to say, people cannot make you feel the way about yourself that you have to own. Shut the fuck up. Of course, people make you feel a certain way. Shut up. For some (laughs) of you, it is a boss because maybe that is the story you've told yourself that success at work is important. For some of you, it's when you are insulted by a spouse because you've told yourself a relationship has to be a certain way. So don't give me that shit that you own how you feel because it's bullshit. People, you know what? You make a good point because it's not the intention, it's the perception. And aren't we we overly trained in HR to promote that ideology? It's not your intent. It's the perception that you give off that is the biggest impact. Yep. And ultimately, so guys, I'll be the first to say that ultimately... uh, Leadership, we really talk about it, is manipulation. Ideally, you are trying to say and do things in a way that people align with your direction, right? And hopefully, your direction is a good direction and you're not Hitler. Um, or <laughs> <laughs> manipulation, Michelle. You're, it is. It is. Like, my favorite quote of all times is... Leadership is the art of getting other people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. That is classic 
manipulation is getting other people to be like, yes, I want to do that. Right? Convincing. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I think we just went off the rails. (laughs) That's okay. That's what we do. I think... I think we need to explain this because we literally, there are so many companies that have bad leaders and it's because they got promoted either way too soon because uh, people thought they were good or they're right. them, or literally the company had no other choice but to put this person in the role and they were a very good tactical person, but they don't know shit on communication. Yeah. And I think that people people rely on when they're not really good at communication, they rely on the things that have worked in the rest of their lives. So I see that Facebook, go with me for a second. You can't disagree with my point before I make my point. I mean, I guess you can. Because that's what I do. I'm here to be devil's advocate for everybody listening. Okay, hold on. Here's my point. Let me make my point first though. My point is they rely on something that has worked in other aspects of their lives. I'm willing to go out on a ledge and say that abusive people probably get snappy, abusive bosses probably get snappy with their kids and not snappy with their kids when they almost pushed up. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. This is because my kid almost burned my house down and I became a demon because he wouldn't listen the first time when he was touching the burner on the stove. You are the abusive leader. Okay. You know what? Just put me in that. Fine. Put me in that category. That's fine. (laughs) Get it. I totally just said not when people's lives are in danger. Okay. Just making sure you were stressing that. We're listening, Michelle. Keep going. Okay. So I think people rely on the things that they think have worked. It's my point, right? Whether it is the way they communicate in relationships outside of work, people without communication skills try to mirror the other. Shut up. Are we going to have to start this entire podcast over? Okay, go ahead. Disagree with me. We're listening. No, I'm done. I made my point. So what I'm hearing is you think they actually mirror other individuals' leadership styles. That they think have been successful. That they think have been successful. Yes. So I would say they come into a place where they don't they don't necessarily always mirror a leadership style that they've seen or that they find as successful as much as they create a leadership style or a communication that fits to their own agenda. So like and this is more so for a more ex- inexperienced leaders, right, that we're talking about. I think they literally are like, okay, well, I like to be spoken to very directly and I like to personally get things done. So I'm going to be very direct, straight to the point, short and sweet with people. Yeah. And you make a good point because I think as leaders, I mean, depending on the school of thought that you were taught was that, you know, your people adapt to your leadership style. And that's not the case. Like you have to be able to adapt to your team's style, like what they respond to and how to speak to them. And maybe it would make sense for someone who would respond properly or maybe to a direct conversation versus maybe Sally Lou, where you might have to ask more questions and be a little bit more considerate and empathetic with that discussion. 
So I think it's responsibility of the leader to adjust their style depending on who they're talking to. And I think you're seeing a transformation of that school of thought, but you do have a lot of leaders that are still out there thinking that old way of thought. Yeah. And it's interesting because we all worked in an organization and it's literally the first time I worked with a leader in a large fortune, I don't know, 100 company where literally this leader was a leader for decades and they were having tantrums like a two-year-old and would caps lock everything in a, you know, instant message chat, or they would essentially like pant and, you know, slam their hands on a keyboard, kind of like you would mention Olivia, like someone, you know, throwing stuff and whatever. And it's like, at some point you say, have you like not been given the training? And it's interesting because we worked in the training department. And so <laughs> it's like you're literally trained. You can train other leaders, but you can't necessarily train yourself on how to do this well. Like some of this stuff, you know, being in HR and having HR leaders I'm, that aren't great shucks the hell out of me. I always wonder how the hell people get into their positions because literally throwing a tantrum or two-year-old fit when you are literally supposed to be the experienced one training other leaders blows my mind. Now that makes you make a good point because that something came to my mind when you were saying that the tantrums and like the tenure of the leader, I think that plays a huge role. I see a lot of um, themes and similarities to leaders that I've had in the past where they've had tenure, right? They've been with that company for years and years and years. And if you think about it, were they promoted because they had great leadership skills or was it because they could do the role that they were originally hired in and they were promoted by default? And which did we fail them to not give them that training or lead them in the right direction of how to properly interact with their team? and lead others. So it's interesting that you say that because every, I could say every single one of my leaders that I've had that has not been the greatest is because they got promoted from within and they've been with the company for 10 plus years. Now that, that not saying across the board, you get promoted within makes you a bad leader, but I think they may have fell through the cracks where they weren't given the proper attention and training to really be an effective leader. Yeah. And I wonder too, you mentioned something, Olivia, at the beginning, a franchise versus someone in a corporation. Do franchise leaders get different training or do franchises have different expectations that are lower than a corporation level location? Well, I mean, you have to think too, as a franchise, I'm talking about a business owner versus a manager, right? So, I mean, what are the expectations when you're running a business as a franchise? You really don't have to report to anybody to a certain degree, right? As long as you pay your franchise fee, you're good to go. They don't really care according to where I was working right at the time um, was my perspective at that point. So every franchise might be different, but do they get the proper training? I don't know. I mean as working in the quick serve industry with Michelle, we can tell you right now, like those franchise owners and leadership, they were able to get that leadership training so they could effectively run their teams or run their locations. And like I said, every franchise is different, but it's just a very interesting trend to see. And you can probably attest to where you've worked with your leadership. They've probably been there for quite a few years. And it might not make sense for them to let 
go that individual based on poor behavior because of the tenure. Maybe they're protected. Maybe there's all sorts of things that are involved that they continue to think that they're untouchable and they continue with their poor habits and take that out on their team. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This drives me nuts. Like when someone is feels like they're protected or they are protected in an organization. It's like the people who report in, I feel so bad for them because they literally have tried everything. I'm sure they've gone to human resources or something. And it's like a lost cause trying to like navigate these discussions on poor leaders. Which makes me laugh at that TikTok I watched the other day. The one lady was like complaining that HR is not there to protect the people. They're here there to protect the company. And I'm laughing because in some companies, I mean, really essently, it's true. Because if you worked with terrible leaders, you tell me how often their teams have been turned over and they're still working there. And if you interview and do exit interviews for any of those team members, they're going to probably tell you the same thing and then nothing gets done about it, which I don't understand. And I still don't understand even being an HR myself. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you said a couple of things there. HR is here for the people, right? It's not necessarily, I, I challenge your TikTok stories on saying HR. And please, please don't, don't hold TikTok as being the, you know, the God-given truth, right? But it just sparks some questioning when you watch and you're like, well, you know what? Being HR myself, am I really there to protect them? Or do my questions as I interview and do my assessments, is it really to protect the overall well-being of the company so they don't go and sue? It's true. You're there for the business, but not the people leaders or the employees, right? Or their individual contributors. I think you're not there like you're supposed to be an unbiased individual. Yeah. So that actually leads me to how are these leaders still able to stay in their positions? Because HR is there to recommend, not require. Right. Right. (laughs) We recommend this person not be with the company, but then there is someone usually higher up that says, screw that. And we can't really force them to do very much. I mean, we can, but we, again, are here to be a partner to make sure that lawsuits don't happen. So we do have to give some strong feedback, but if the business wants to go against the advice of HR, that's up to them. It's super tough. It's a super tough navigate, navigate, uh, navigating that conversation. And so it's interesting because We had a conversation with another guest on one of our episodes, Nicole Metzl, and she literally said, the way you can identify poor leadership is through, you know, different avenues as and really it's literally the same exact like situation where you can do and use a pulse survey or an org health survey. But like, what do you do with it? And that's why she said it's like total bullshit because If you're going to use a pulse survey, then you better make a change with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you're just wasting the time and energy. You're getting this feedback, but you're not making any changes. You're not improving anything. You might as well just stay stagnant. True. Yeah. So totally crazy. Totally um, interesting from an, uh, you know, abusive leader perspective. So, you know, here's some advice I have for our listeners on the call. Um, If you're an employee in a company... Uh, I guess we'll start there, Olivia. If you're an employee in a company and you have an abusive leader, my recommendation would be to 
find some skills or tools to navigate around them or leverage resources like maybe their quote unquote favorite, you know, direct reports and, you know, navigate through them on what's working well, or maybe jump, you know, conduct, you know, an opportunity to do skip levels. You don't necessarily want to always be the employee that's creating turmoil or chaos in the organization. So that's really tough to navigate when you're not necessarily working with a good leader as an employee. No, and that's a that's a great recommendation. But then I feel like too, until you're in that situation, you may feel helpless, right? Mm-hmm. You may feel like, okay, the only way I can overcome this is either changing departments or leaving the company. And sometimes you may enjoy the company that you work for. I think you've might've had experience with that. I know I have. I mean, there's a few companies I loved working for, but then as you see the writing on the wall, maybe it not pertain me directly, but the way other team members are being treated, it makes you go, oh my gosh, like how can I support this? Or how can I continue on and not say anything while they're being bombarded, you know, bombarded, whatever the word is. I can't even think of it right now. It's a twin mom, the twin mom brain going on here. Um, Since my son almost burned down my house. Anyway, you do, you just have this sense of helplessness. And so even if going to HR, there's that part where you go and report it or you say something and then it does eventually get back to the hiring manager either way. You don't trust the system. So I think even your listeners, like just maybe even making an episode, like how do you overcome some of these challenges? Like what are some ways where you don't have to leave the organization? You don't have to change departments to feel safe on your team. And I say safe because it's stressful. It's high anxiety. You're like, you know, you love what you do, but it's these people that are involved, your direct leadership that you feel stuck and you're in this rat race that you can't get ahead because maybe they're playing favorites. Maybe you have a target on your back for some reason, right? Like whatever it might be, having maybe some steps to try to overcome that to hopefully make that situation better. So I wish I had recommendations because I don't. I'm the one like, okay, see ya, peace. I'm going somewhere else. The grass is greener on the other side. And eventually I found the greener grass, you know, they were using Scott's miracle Grow, and I'm like, sweet, I'm there, take me home. And the company I'm with right now is amazing. Yeah. But it took me a few places to jump around to find a place that I felt appreciated and valued. Not everybody has that option. So how do you overcome that within the environment? And I think that would be a great segue to maybe another episode for how do you overcome some of those challenges? Absolutely. And I would say if you are in the HR department right now or you're a uh, executive in an organization trying to make change, do something with the feedback you get, right? You have state interviews, you have exit interviews. If you're going to put that stuff out, you better make change with it. If you're willing to listen, then you should make change with it. Don't just survey to survey your population and not create true change or true value within your organization, within your leaders. So if you do identify abusive leaders, take it seriously, look into it, conduct skip levels. You should be doing those anyways. Um, Any other feedback for any HR or leaders in the organization, Olivia? I would say just to continue what you're saying is if you have several team members making the same accusations and bringing something to your attention and light, don't take that lightly. Take that seriously because that's affecting your organization. 
when we talked about culture a couple episodes before this, that that was so important to instill and to create a great working environment. Why tarnish that because of poor leadership? So I would say take things seriously, do your investigations, understand maybe the leader that you have in place needs additional support. And maybe they fell through that crack, right? Maybe they were that tenured team member that got promoted because they did great at their job, but they never really were able to lead people. So how do we bring them back to that success so that they can, or bring them to, so they can become successful so they can lead the teams effectively? I agree. I mean, either put them back into a tactical position or try to grow them in the organization. I wouldn't say put demote them first, right? Try to grow them because we're all about training and development on this team. So we're always going to push that first and give them the resources they need. But if that's not going to work, I would say put them back into the tactical position that made them successful and that makes you want to keep them in the organization or promote them to customer. So yeah, right. But it also makes you think like you you not always want to assume just because they do well at their job that they are a great leader. So I think it's our role as leadership and in training that we provide the tools so that we have our teams become successful and they feel empowered to do so. Absolutely. So there it is for you. Like Olivia mentioned, we're going to have more resources and more conversations about why people don't enjoy going to work and why they hate their effing job and how we can help support and get that turned around in your organization. So until next time, everyone, take care. Bye.